John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I've been on this subject entitled A Biblical Perspective of Lent. If you remember a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, I shared with you the story out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, about the parable of, of, uh, of the Pharisee that was there praying and the publican, the, the sinner that was there praying. And you remember, you remember what really is at the heart of Lent, this, this time that's set aside to reflect the suffering and the, eventually the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. You really want to know what's at the core of that? At the core of that 40 days that's set aside for that, it's a time for us to do an inventory in our own heart. And I, I, love, the, I love the parable that Jesus gave about the Pharisee that stood there in the temple and he, he, he spread his arms wide open and he said, Lord, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I tithe and I fast and I pray and I give and, and I'm thankful I'm not like, and he looked down at this publican, I'm thankful I'm not like him. And, and he stood there with a very self-righteous, egotistical, uh, haughtier, condescending type of a spirit praying. And you remember how the publican laid there or sat there and he wouldn't even lift up his head and he smote himself on the breast and, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, the Pharisees stood there and said, God, there's nothing wrong with me. The publican stood there and said, God, there's everything wrong with me. Please forgive me. That really, I think, is the best picture of this season of Lent. How we need to take time. I don't care what it is you may be putting aside. And, and I'm, I'm neither for nor against that. I'm kind of neutral in all that. I, that really is neither here nor there with me. What I'm more concerned about is your heart. What are we doing to separate the sin out of our heart and out of our life to repent, which is a doctrine we don't hear preached a whole lot in this day and age. What are we doing to really finger around in our heart and ask the Holy Spirit to finger around in our heart to reveal any wickedness, any sinfulness, any high mighty spirit, any type of attitude, any mindset that's not pleasing to God? We need to ask God to convict us of that. And there needs to be this pouring out of our heart to God and saying, God, there's everything wrong with me. Show me those areas. Lead me to repentance. And then help me to walk in a new and a righteous way that will bring honor and glory to you. To me, I think that's the heartbeat of really this whole season of Lent. And we've been trying to unpack that and talk some about that. If you will, in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about the temptation of Jesus Christ. And Lent really is this season, this 40 days put aside to have this time of reflection. But it's synonymous with the 40 days that Jesus was led out into the wilderness. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and I'm not going to read the whole text again because I'm, I unpacked it more last week. And I'm just a, a recap so I can really preach point 2 and 3 of this message. I got hung up on point 1 last week. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, it's really the story about Jesus being tempted. And this whole season of Lent, it's about searching our heart and, and realizing that we too 
will be tempted in love. Matter of fact, we're often tempted in love. The Bible teaches us that God will never tempt us, right? God will test us. But Satan obviously tempts us from time to time and many times often, does he not? Now, here I am aware of this, and I want you to be aware of this. The, G, the Bible talks about how Jesus is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. It talks about how he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. And then it also unpacks and teaches about the doctrine of, of God being omnipresent. That means everywhere at the same time. You see, God is always with you, and he is always with me. And he does that through the third person of the Godhead, his Holy Spirit. That he said, it's imperative that I send unto you, so that my promises will be fulfilled. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. you got to understand that God is omnipresent. He is always with you. There is never a moment when God is not with you. There's never a moment when God is not with me. He'll be with you, Jose, at the same time he's with me. Whatever I'm going through, he's with all of us at the same time. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at all times. I want you to know that Satan is not like that. A lot of times we think Satan may be like that, but he is not omnipresent. You see, Satan, the Bible says, if you remember in the book of Job, God asked Satan, said, Satan, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm walking to and fro and up and down through the earth. And then Peter talks about how he's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. The point is Satan even realizes that, that although he wants to be like God, he is not God. He cannot be omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. So I want you to understand, Satan is not always in and knocking on the door of your heart trying to tempt you. What he does, he shows up, he shoots a fiery dart, and he leaves. Okay, that temptation then hits the the door of our heart. And then we get to choose what we're going to do with that fiery dart that's been shot to our heart to tempt us to sin. I want you to know he's not always there. He can't be. He's to and fro. He's up and down. He's going about here and there. Now, he does have the demons of the world, and there is demonology. It is taught in Scripture. It's very true. I'm not going to get into all of that. But he does have an evil force that's working with him. But even they are not omnipresent. Okay? Only God is. So my whole point in saying all of that is for you to know that when temptation comes, that just means Satan showed up, and now he's probably gone. Okay, he's not still there. He just tempted you with a thought. He tempted you with maybe a motive. He tempted you with a situation and he he shot a fiery dart into your heart. And now the question is, what are you going to do about that? Okay, so every single one of us are tempted. Jesus was tempted. And of course, he did not sin. And then you get into the doctrine of impeccability or peccability. And I'm not even going to unpack that today. But I believe that Jesus is and was God. And therefore, I do not believe he could sin. Even if he wanted to sin, he was God. But he did not sin so he could prove to us, to give us the example of facing temptation. I'm not going to unpack the doctrine of impeccability or peccability today. I want you to turn to James' gospel, James chapter number 1. In James' gospel chapter 1, in verse 12 down through verse number 18. I want you to look what the scripture says. It says, A man who endures trials is blessed, because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, get this, it says, No one undergoing a trial should say, in verse 13, that I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt Anyone. Does everybody get that? 
You need to underline that in your Bibles. You need to get a hold of that and realize that there is no temptation for sin that ever comes from God. Any temptation that comes to you for sin comes from Satan himself. Okay? It never comes from God. And Scripture tells us that. And then it says, For God is not tempted by evil. He himself doesn't tempt anyone. Verse 14, But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Guys, what I want you to see here is the process of sin. The process. The temptation comes, and then there's a process that begins. You see, the temptation doesn't come, and then you just automatically fall into sin. I mean, you may, you may be pretty good at processing the process, but I want you to know there is a process. Okay? There are some things that are transpiring, some things that are happening in your heart, in your mind, before you ever sin. And then, of course, the ultimate outcome of sin, the Bible says, is death. And then it says in verse 16, Don't be deceived, my dearly beloved, or my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With Him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By His own choice, that's key, get that, by His own choice, He gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of His creation. Here's what I want you to know and understand once again, just by way of review. Does God ever tempt you to sin? Give me an answer. No, he never. Does God test you? Yes, many times, many times. You see, and I've often found that whenever I make a renewed commitment to the Lord, the test is coming. I mean, if we're going to say we believe something, if we're going to say we're going to do something, if we're going to, if we're going to recommit, rededicate our life to God, I believe the test almost immediately is going to come, and God's going to test our motives. I mean, He's going to look deep into the heart, and He's going to be testing why you do what you do. Matter of fact, in the book of Corinthians, guys, do you realize that whenever we get to heaven, a lot of times people think the only place there'll be fire is in hell. Well, there will be fire in hell. But I want you to know also, there will be fire in heaven. And the Bible talks about in heaven, there's going to be the fire of judgment that's going to be cast on us, not on whether we are saved or not, but our works are going to be tried. And they're going to be put through the fire of the test of our motives to see why we do what we do. So, and I can't get off and preach on all that either. Man, there's so much good stuff here whenever you go down this road of temptation. But I want you to see several facts to consider. And last week I talked about some facts to consider in the process of sin and how we handle temptation. The first thing I want you to consider is God's judgment. And that's what I talked about last week. I mean, his judgment ultimately, the book of James says, is death. Now I realize that starts out with a very negative approach. And I realize that, that, that James says, look ahead and see where sin will lead you. And the Bible says it will lead you to death. So whenever we're processing this whole thing of temptation, we need to look and see and be aware and consider God's judgment. Now in that, I talked to you a little bit about uh, the desire, the emotions, and that's where it starts. That was step number one. Step number two in the process is deception. Step number three in the process is disobedience. And then step number four in the process ultimately is death. And we unpacked that last week. But here's what I want you to know, that disobedience, get this, 
Disobedience gives birth to death, not life. Okay? So whenever we're tempted, we're tempted by Satan. And, and the judgment, the ultimate judgment, is death. I unpacked all of that last week in greater detail than what I just shared with you today. Today I want to share with you two more things that we should consider whenever we are faced with temptation. Two things that we, are, we should consider, two more things I should say, that we should consider whenever we're thinking about the idea of overcoming temptation. The second one is this, it's on the screen for you, James 1.17. Not only must we consider God's judgment, but secondly we must consider God's goodness. Now I'm talking about when temptation comes. I'm talking about when the fiery dart of temptation has hit our heart. There's some things we need to think about. First thing we need to think about is God's judgment. If I continue down this process, this road of sin, it's going to ultimately lead to death. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And that death is not just physical death, although it includes that, but it's also spiritual death which is eternal separation from God in a state of dying and being totally separated for God from God for all eternity. That's God's final judgment on sin. And if we go down that road, then we're going to ultimately die. Okay? So we need to consider that. The second thing we need to consider is God's goodness. Look, if you will, in verse number 17. I want you to get this verse. I want you to put a star out beside this verse. Because I don't want you to see just the negative I want you to also see the positive in Scripture. It's just not a naysay. I mean, there's, there's some good things to consider. Whenever I'm considering temptation and I've been tempted and I, I may be going down this road to process this sin and it ultimately leads to disobedience, which ultimately leads to, to sinning, which leads to death, that's the negative side. But there's some positive things. You see, whenever I'm tempted, I need to look around. I need, I need to consider the goodness of our God. Look what he says in verse number 17. Every generous act and every perfect gift comes from Walmart. No. It's not what it says, does it? What does it it say? Every generous act and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. Get this, guys. Whenever you're tempted, I want you not only look at the negative, and maybe if that's what motivates you and drives you, then look at the negative. But I always like to try to see the glass half full instead of half empty. And so I try to find the good in things. So whenever temptation comes to me, I'm probably more focused on God's goodness. Why would I want to go down a road of sin when I see how good God has been to me? I mean, He has blessed me. Why would I want to live a lifestyle of sin and disobedience to God? Why would I want to do anything that would not bring honor and glory to Him when I look around and I see the goodness of God? Listen, and God has been good to me. You could say, God has been good to you. And God has been good to Victory Church. Man, I am so, so excited about moving into our new building. Are you not? I mean, it's like the pilgrims are coming home. Amen? I mean, we've been, we've been just homaging around here and there and packing up and, whoo, thank God we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. By the way, we do have one big setup date. I need strong backs. I need pickup trucks. April the 16th, we're having a truckload of furniture come in the middle of the day. And sometime that day, 
We can't allow that big semi-truck to come on our parking lot once we get the concrete poured. We're going to have to shuttle that in with pickup trucks to our front door. So with that being said, God's blessed us with some good things that are still yet to come. Amen? And we need some help on that. But I want you to see how God's been good to you. God's been good to your family. God's been good to me. God's been good to our church. You say, yeah, but what about, you know what? I promise you this. If you're following God from time to time, you will have some head-on collisions with the devil. Hello? Victory Church has had some head-on collisions with the devil. I mean, he's wanted to deter us. He's wanted to discourage us. He's wanted to defeat us. He's wanted to cast us down. He wants to get us discouraged. He wants us to quit the battle and quit the fight. But thank God there's some men and women and families in this church that believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have persevered and we are keeping the faith. And God has been blessing us. You see, that's what motivates me not to sin. That's what motivates me not to fall into temptation. Matter of fact, whenever it comes, I say, Satan, really, are you kidding me? You think I'm going to go do that? Let me tell you what my God has done for me. Really? You see, one of Satan's devices is to lead you to believe that God is withholding his goodness from you. Oh, friends, he is not. He is blessing you. He is blessed, especially if you are living an obedient life. If you are following after him, the Bible says he opens up the windows of heaven. He pours his blessings out on you. I can tell you, church, that has happened in my life. I've watched God open the windows of heaven and pour me out blessings that are far greater than I could ever receive. Boy, I wish I had time to unpack some of those. But here's what I do know. A lifetime of obedience following God leads to abundant blessings and the goodness of God blessing your life. I'm not afraid to get on some of the blessings of how God blesses you when you obey Him. I realize the health, wealth, prosperity crowd has taken this doctrine and exploited it for personal gain. But I'm not afraid to stand up and tell you that God will bless you. It tells it in Scripture. If we're obedient to Him, He says, Prove me, try me, I'll pour out, pour out blessings on you. I'll open the windows of heaven and give you a blessing far greater than you could ever receive. Guys, whenever we're faced with temptation, the thing that should drive us is when we realize that our God has been good to us. Why would I trade the real thing in for a counterfeit? Amen? That's what James is trying to get us to see. Every generous act, every perfect gift... Is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With Him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. In other words, He's faithful. He's true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a good God. And why would I want to go in the road of sin to enjoy a sin for maybe just a small amount of time? And the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. I realize that. Scripture teaches that. But why would I trade that in for a lifetime, an eternity filled with the goodness of a great God who loves us? You see, Satan often tries to come to me and he'll say, I believe God's holding out on you. And I say, man, let me tell you something. My God's not holding out on me. He has blessed me. And you need to be able to say the same thing. So whenever we are faced with temptation, yes, we can look at the negative. Yes, it's there. And yes, we can see how God's ultimate judgment is death. 
I understand that. But what gets my engines revving a lot more than that is to see how good God's been to me. I realize the judgment's there. But I see how God's been good to me. And I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. Man, he's been so good to me. I want to give him my life. I want to give him everything. And I have given him my life. And I have given him everything. Man, I've sold out completely to him. And I hope and pray you've done that same thing. James 1.17, every generous act and every precious and perfect gift is from above. And here James shares with us, I believe, four facts about the goodness of God. And, whoo, man, I'd love to unpack this one. I'm just going to touch them. But look in this verse. He said, God gives good gifts. Guys, you realize when God gives you something, he's given you a good gift. And God doesn't give you counterfeits, and God doesn't give you knockoffs. I know you ladies like those coach purses, but probably everybody that carries one is carrying a knockoff. Hello? Come on, ladies, I just exploited you. I, 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 know, I know what you're doing. I buy them for my wife and my daughter. Amen? As a matter of fact, there's a place in East St. Louis you can go there and get it for 20 bucks. I went and bought two or three. Now, they won't take debit card. They won't take credit card. It's cash only. Yeah, and they sport them coach purses around. Man, that's a counterfeit. That's a fake. That's a phony. Hello? You know, God doesn't give you stuff like that. God gives you the real thing. He gives you good gifts. Amen? And that's what he's saying. Every generous act, every perfect gift is from above. The way God gives is good. I mean, He is generous and He gives with a heart filled with love. The way God gives is also constantly. I mean, He's always giving. Satan's going to try to tell you that God's withholding from you. That's his number one lie that he tells you to get you to follow him. He's not withholding from you. The Bible teaches in James 1 and 17 that God gives good gifts. The way God gives is good. He gives with love. He gives constantly. It says they're always coming down. In the Greek, the verb tense is a continual sense. It means it's always happening. Amen? He doesn't give one time and walk away and say, I'll hold you through till next year. No, he's always looking for ways to bless you. Amen? Man, that ought to excite you. That's almost enough to make an Episcopalian shout a little bit. God gives constantly, always coming down with great gifts. And then the Bible says that there's no variation. In other words, God doesn't change. He just gives. And he keeps on giving. I wrote a note in the margin of my notes, and it says this. The solution for temptation is to be found in a close, get this, a close relationship with the Father and in constant response to His Word. Amen? You want to overcome temptation in your life? Cultivate a close relationship, an intimate fellowship with the Father. And constantly be in his word. So whenever I'm tempted, my mind goes to the positive more than to the negative. And I think, Satan, why in the world would I sell out and follow you? Look what God has blessed me with. And I'm not willing to cash that in for anything that he may entice me with. And I hope and pray you aren't either. Some facts to consider as we overcome temptation. Number one, consider God's judgment. Number two, consider God's goodness. Number three, jot this one down. Consider God's divine nature within. 
In James 1 and 18, the scripture says, By his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Now, in those three points that I shared with you, consider God's judgment, consider God's goodness, and then consider God's divine nature within. I want you to see, here are three barriers that you are going to have to completely knock down in order to sin. Here are three barriers that you're going to either have to knock down or jump over in order to start the process of sinning. And barrier number one is you look ahead. You look ahead and you are aware of God's judgment. If I go down this path of sin, if I entertain this temptation, if I indulge in it, ultimately that road, that path is going to lead me to death. And so I look ahead and I'm... I'm aware of God's judgment. But after I look ahead, then I look around. And I see the wonderful gifts that God has blessed me with. I see the goodness of God all around. So I look ahead and I'm aware. And we are to beware of the judgment. We're to look around and we see His goodness. But then thirdly, we look within. And whenever we look within, we realize that we, my friends, have been born again from above. We're not the same old man and woman we used to be. We are now divine, holy creatures that are following a holy God because we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And the divine nature of a holy God has taken up His residence in my heart. Hello? You know what else is taking place? It's called the doctrine of imputation. All of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ has been imputed upon me as a believer. So now whenever God looks over the portals of heaven, He does not see John Cannon in his sin. He sees His Son, Jesus Christ, because I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed upon me. I have a divine nature living within me. I am not the same man that I used to be. So whenever we're faced with temptation, yeah, we look ahead and beware of God's judgment. Yeah, we look around and we see how good God's been to us. But thirdly, we need to look within and we need to see that we are a new person. We, my friends, have been born again and we have a new nature. We have a new man. We have a new Lord. Someone else is on the throne. It's not self. It's Jesus that's on the throne of my life. I have a new nature in in Christ Jesus and you do too. Hello? Man, if we just get hold of some of this doctrine. If we would get hold of some of what James is trying to teach us. Real quickly, let me share with you some of the characteristics of this new birth. First of all, it is divine. This new birth that we experience being born again, it's not something you work up. It's not something you you do whenever you want to do. I want you to understand, first and foremost, it is divine. It is not of the flesh. It is from above. It's the divine work of God that He is doing in your heart and in my heart. It's from God. Hello? Look what the Scripture says in James 1 and 18. By His own choice... He gave us the new birth. It comes from God, right? It's not something I work up. It's not something I just try to do. I want you to understand, we just don't generate this new birth. It comes from God. Secondly, it's gracious. We did not earn it, nor do we deserve it. 
God gave us. By His own choice, He gave us. God is a gracious God. This spiritual birth that we experience, I want you to know, has come from God. He has given it to us. He is a gracious God. My friends, do you know the difference between grace and mercy? Do you know the difference? You've heard this probably said before, but let me refresh your memory. I want you to know there is a difference between grace and mercy. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Hello? Did you get that? Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. You see, this new birth that we experience, it's all because of the grace of God. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You see, I know who I was. Romans 3 explains who every single one of us are. We're sinners. We don't deserve this new birth. But God is gracious to us. I told you He gives good gifts. One of the good gifts He's given you is eternal life. In and through His Son, Jesus Christ. To be able to live for Him forever and ever and ever through eternity. That's grace. That's God giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy? Thank God He's merciful. Do you remember what mercy is? It's God. It's God not giving you. What you do deserve. You see, I deserve hell. I deserve to be punished. You see, there was a day, and even today I still deserve it. I'm still, and we all are, sinful creatures. None of us deserve heaven. Amen? I deserve hell. But God said, no, I'm going to extend to you my mercy. Oh, I know you deserve it, God says, but I'm not going to give it to you. Because I'm gracious. I'm going to give you my son. All you got to do is choose. Wow. Whenever we look within and we see this divine nature, man, it ought to make us laugh at temptation. I'm amazed that people say, I just couldn't help it. I was just overcome by temptation. Man, you know nothing about God. And I realize from time to time we do stumble. But to wallow in it and to stay in it, there's something wrong. Hello? And that something that's wrong is you're not looking ahead, you're not looking around, you're not looking within. We have this divine nature. And I also want you to see that some of the characteristics of this new birth, thirdly, it's through God's Word. It's through the Word of God. You see, the human birth, we all know that the human birth requires two parents. I mean, it requires two parents. The spiritual birth also has two parents. You know who the two parents are? It's the Spirit of God and the Word of God. When those two start working in your heart and in your life, the spiritual birth is about to take place. For the Spirit of God, we look to John 3 and 6. It says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. For the Word of God, we look at 1 Peter 1 and 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There are two spiritual parents involved in your new birth. It's the spirit of God, and it's the word of God. Amen? Guys, there's so many reasons why we should not fall into temptation. I like these three, and James unpacks them for us. Look ahead. 
beware of God's judgment. Look around and see God's goodness. And look within and see the divine nature of God that's living within you. You, my friends, are a new person. I want to close with this little story. And I'm going to steal this from Sandy. Sandy told me, I think it was last Sunday, a little story about Noah. And he looks up at mommy, and mommy's pregnant. I said, Mommy, what's in there? Well, that's the baby. Right? Am I telling the story correctly? That's the baby. And Noah says, Okay, the baby's in there. But, Mommy, isn't Jesus in there too? And she said, Yeah, Jesus lives in my heart. The baby's in my stomach. Noah said, As only a child can say, Mom, does Jesus and the baby play together? I thought that was cool. Guys, you know what? When the knock of temptation comes to your door, I want you to know there's two people living in your heart. There's Adam, the old nature, and there's the Holy Spirit, the new divine nature. Which one answers the door of your heart when temptation knocks? Because here's what I do know. If Adam answers the door, we're starting the process of sin. And it's going to lead to death. But if Jesus answers the door, temptation will flee. How did Jesus combat temptation in Matthew 4? I shared this with you last week. With the Word of God. When Jesus answers the door of your heart, when temptation knocks... Temptation will flee. When Adam answers the door of your heart, temptation is going to linger around. Matter of fact, you just invited him to step in. And it will lead you down a process and a road called sin, which ultimately will lead you to death, which ultimately will lead to spiritual death. But you say, man, I just have so much fun in that. Oh, yeah, you will. That's Satan's device, that's his tactics. He's going to see that you have a good time for a short season. But I promise you, payday is coming. And you'll wind up ultimately paying for that with your soul by living in an eternal burning hell for all eternity where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Say, preacher, that's old-fashioned preaching. No, it's the Word of God. It's still true today in the 21st century. I don't want to go there. And I don't want you to go there. But look around at the goodness of God. He's been good to you. And then if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, look at the divine nature that's now living within you. And the next time temptation knocks at the door of your heart, just let Jesus open the door. I promise you, it will flee. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you how vibrant and how alive your word is we thank you lord how relevant it is we thank you how up to date it is and we thank you for the practical teachings that we get from your word and father i know we all struggle from time to time with temptation and dear lord i just pray i pray this morning 
as we have this time of invitation, this time of reflection, that we would do an inventory in our heart. And God, if there's anything in our life that's not pleasing unto you, Lord, I pray that you would convict us of it. And Lord, that we would repent. If there's one here today that needs to pray and ask you into their heart and seek forgiveness and to accept you as their Lord and their Savior, I pray that this morning will be the day they do that. Father, for that individual, Lord, I want to help them right now. May they sincerely pray a prayer, something like this. Just say, Dear God, I realize that I've sinned. I realize that when temptation has knocked on the heart of my door, I've allowed the old nature, the old Adamic sinful nature to open the door. And God, I've sinned. And I'm like the publican who's standing there in the synagogue. And he's got his arms spread wide open. He's smoting his breast. And he's saying, God, there's everything wrong with me. God, I pray for that individual this morning. They would ask you to forgive them of their sins. They would ask Christ into their heart to be their Lord and their Savior. They believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for their sins, that you were buried, that you rose again. Right now, God, move into their heart. May they invite you in. May they be born again. May the new nature begin today in their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life, if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.